Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Football Outsiders Draft Livestream today, Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. And this is a special edition because this is the Football Outsiders 33rd Team Sports Info Solutions Crossover, the most ambitious crossover event on the Internet. This is our draft or pass show. And I got a variety of special guests. I'm Mike Tanier from Football Outsiders. A couple of special guests today, starting with Mike Tannebaum, former NFL general manager. How you doing, Mike? Great, Mike. Great to be with you. Looking forward to this. Absolutely. Uh, also with us from Sports Info Solutions, Matt Manicharian. How you doing what, today, Matt? What's going on, guys? I'm excited for the crossover. <laughs> this is like the multiverse of draft coverage. Yeah, and also the with metaverse. The- the metaverse, the multiverse of madness, and joining us is our version of Doctor Strange, founder and president of Football Outsiders, Aaron Schatz. How you doing today, boss? In a million possible universes, there must exist one where Malik Willis goes number one overall. <laughs> and and many in which Trayvon Walker goes number one overall. We're going to cover all of that. Before we do that, a little bit of business. Football Outsiders, all of our NFL draft coverage is presented by Underdog Fantasy. And you can use the promo code FO40, that's FO40, at Underdog to double your deposit up to $100. Links to Underdog Fantasy can be found in the description of this video below. Come play with us on Underdog at Underdog Fantasy today. And again, if you're enjoying the live stream, make sure you like us, leave a review, whether you're watching it on YouTube, whether you're watching it live, whether you're listening to us later on someplace, like us, leave a review, engage with us, because that's how we do business around here. Now. Today's show is going to be a pretty different format from what we normally do. I'm going to throw some questions out to our panel. And the theme is draft or pass. Sometimes the question could be draft or pass or trade or not trade, something along the way. But we're all going to get to chime in and talk about some of the biggest issues in this year's draft. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. All right. I'm going to start with the first question in the Football Outsiders 33rd Team Sports Info Solutions Draft or Pass show. I'm going to throw it to Mike Tannenbaum first. Your team is selecting in the top 10, and you need a quarterback right away. Kenny Pickett's on the board. Kenny Pickett, draft or pass? I'm, I'm drafting him, and he's a guy that's had uh, 47 career starts. He's a little bit older. I thought he got better this year. You know, He did put the ball on the ground 27 times, which we don't like, but I think he's the most ready pl- uh, to play quarterback this year, so – He's not perfect. I wish his hands were a little bit bigger. And I'm not a big dogmatic, you know, hand size guy in terms of this magical nine inches. But when you have small hands combined with those fumbles, it is a concern. But he can make all the throws. I think his foot athleticism is slightly underrated. So I think he's going to come in. I think he's a better Matt Schaub, which ideally you're not taking the first round. But I think you could win a lot of games with Kenny Pickett as your quarterback. Okay. Aaron, what do the – um. What do the Cubase numbers say about? Well, our Cubase projections have Pickett as the top guy, but nobody is very good. The top five quarterbacks are all grouped together really closely, and they all come out with an average projection of basically being replacement level. So none of them are really good prospects. The thing is, I'm definitely a believer that if you need a quarterback, you take the chance. The quarterback position is worth is that important compared to other positions in the game that if you need a quarterback and there's a quarterback there who's considered to be a guy to go in that round, you take him. You don't wait for something else because, you, you know, look, if you take Pickett and he doesn't work out, then you take someone else next year. I mean, you just <laughs> you've got to take those shots. And the fact is, the projection may not be very good for Pickett, but there's still a chance with every quarterback there's a chance they're going to be successful and that chance is there for Pickett, and you need to take that chance. Well, Aaron, I'll jump off that because I I'm, I'm with you. I think that most football people are going to tell you, you got to get the quarterback position, right? Uh, there's no doubt about that. And from the stats perspective, we see it a lot the same way. A lot of the sports info solutions, advanced stats see kind of like a lot of mediocrity, but what you do see with Pickett is a guy similar to Joe Burrow two years ago, similar to Mac Jones a year ago, who had really nice efficiency stats pretty much across the board this last season at Pittsburgh. And when you have that uh, experienced quarterback with those metrics, a lot of times what we're at least establishing is the floor of the player. And I think that's what we're talking about with Pickett is that he might have a little bit of a higher floor. Where I actually worry and where I maybe don't want to take a first-round pick to take a shot on him 
unless I feel really great about my defense and the rest of my team and, and trying to kind of build uh, around him, I would feel like if I'm going to compete against that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes AFC championship game, I'm not sure if he has those high level traits where you can see him being that kind of a quarterback, the win because of quarterback. And that's where I get hesitant about uh, how, how high I'd want to take him and what exactly the value is. We can't always find that win because of quarterback along the way. And Mike, you compared him to a better Matt Schaub. Just remind people, Matt Schaub has some really, really good years in the NFL. Yeah, no, it's a fair point, Mike. And, and again, like sometimes I think when we look at this and I agree with this discussion is he is not ideal, but if you're Carolina and you're looking at Sam Darnold or Kenny Pickett, there's enough about Kenny Pickett's game that intrigues me that I believe gives them a better chance to win. Sounds like we're all on board. Top 10, Kenny Pickett. We're going to take a chance. We're going to draft him. Yeah, it's just the quarterback position is that important. And if he has Josh Rosen's rookie year, then you try someone else next year. Okay. Let's put that scenario aside for now. And let's say Kenny Pickett is off the board and go to the next question on our Football Outsiders 33rd Team Sports Info Solutions Draft or Pass show. And again, I'm going to be throwing it to Mike Tannenbaum first. So your team needs a quarterback of the future. And you have a feeling that Malik Willis is not going to fall to you where you're drafting in the first round. You have the chance to trade up for Malik Willis. Trade or pass? Again, Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm not trading up. I like Malik Willis. I'm super intrigued by him. But the reason I'm not giving up additional draft capital is I'm just a big proponent in that there are certain measurables that ring true to have consistent success. And there's outliers, be it Drew Brees or Russell Wilson. But yeah. one of the things about Baker Mayfield is he's short and he ran a 4.85, and those height and speed deficiencies have showed up in his game. I like mm -hmm. Malik Willis. I like his build. He's very big in a lower body, so he can make people miss break tackles. But at his height, he is really going to be an exception if he's successful. So to me, while I'm intrigued by him, Mike, to answer your question, I would not give up additional capital to draft him. Matt Matcharin, is there anything in the uh, Sports Info Solutions database that suggests going one way or the other on Malik Willis? Well, you know, first of all, I'd say with Kenny Pickett, I'm not so sure I was actually on the draft side of, of taking him in oh, the top okay. 10. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm a little bit hesitant with each of the quarterbacks in this class. We've okay. got Malik Willis graded as our number one guy above him, but they're at the same grade, obviously for very different reasons. What I like about Malik Willis is you do have that upside, I think. I think there's a trajectory where you see this guy is a really special athlete combined with he's got that sort of arm talent where I don't like to you know throw around Michael Vick uh, casually, but if this goes well, I think that's what we could be talking about when we're talking about Malik Willis. And so going back to what Aaron was talking about uh, on the first question, having somebody that has the chance to be a hit for you at that quarterback, okay. I think it's a risk here. But some of the traits are really special. It's a lower level of competition, but the broken and missed tackle percentage is just yes. – he just – it's not even on the same playing field as the rest of the quarterbacks in this draft in terms of what he is athletically. So that's going to mitigate some things, but I think there's there's definitely a longer runway. I'm not trading up um, probably at all. Uh, you're going to have a hard time getting me to trade up, um, and, I, and I wouldn't move up for, for him either. Yeah, I think I feel basically the same, which is normally the only time that I favor trading up is for a quarterback. But I feel like all the quarterbacks at the top of this draft are so such mixes of of strengths and weaknesses that even if Malik Willis does have the seem to have the highest ceiling, right? He definitely has the possibility where you can imagine that he turns into one of those top guys if everything develops. Uh, I don't think I would spend extra draft capital in order to get him. One thing that worries me about Malik Willis, and I got this from the Sports Info Solutions database, he led the nation in sacks. He got sacked 51 times. And he led the nation. He had a double-digit sack rate. I don't have it in front of me. Very high sack rate, higher than any top prospect, higher than Lamar Jackson and some of the other scrambling quarterbacks. That seems like a concern as we consider how long his on-ramp would be to the pros. Is that is that a legitimate worry? Is that something that I should be worried about? I think it's probably partially a reflection on uh, like in college, if you get tackled behind the line of scrimmage, it's a sack. 
Um, and what they were doing was kind of weird there. But yeah, I think it's absolutely a concern. There's a ton of stuff about his game that is not a natural translation, like Mike T was talking about before. The, the hype concern is something that uh, we've gone back and forth on over the years, but it's something that's at least got to be considered there. He's going to have to win some different ways. I think he has the upside to be able to do that. I, I'm just not I'm not sure how willing I am to, to bet on that because I think there will be that big sort of on-ramping. Hey, Matt, just curious, which Mike T were you referring to? Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> it, it's always a point of confusion when Mike Tannenbaum and I are on the same podcast. But um, it sounds like we're not trading up for Malik Willis. So if that's the New Orleans Saints plan, we're not on board <laughs> with it here at uh, here on the Triple Cast. Let's move on to our next question on the Football Outsiders 33rd Team Sports Info Solution Draft or Pass Show. And we're going to throw to you first, Aaron, on this one. So another scenario, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, they are now off the board, and your team still has a need at quarterback. Who is your guy? And how high are you willing to select that guy? I mean, the thing is, if you go by our projections, they all come in basically tied. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if the stats tell you who's the third guy. Right. Like I think the scouts may tell you who's the third guy. Mm -hmm. They may tell you who fits your system as the third guy. Or you might just say, you know, these guys are all equal. We'll take the last of the five who's still on the board. I guess I favor, you know, just listening to Derek Class's scouting. I guess I favor Ritter a little bit, mm -hmm. but I feel like everybody's got their fans. I mean, there are people who are Matt Coral people out there. There are definitely people who are Ritter people out there. There are definitely people who are Sam Howell people out there. Um, if I need a quarterback, I mean, I'm willing to pick him in the middle of the first round, but I don't know if any guy particularly stands out as my guy. Mike Tannebaum, do you have a guy? I do. I'm calling the Cleveland Browns, and I'm going to see how much of the $18 million they're going to eat of Baker Mayfield, and uh, that could be my guy if the price <laughs> is right. Mike. That would be my guy over these other guys too, I think. <laughs> Although, you know what's interesting, guys? I've said this before. There's a chance that if they have to release Baker Mayfield, that's an $18 million sales tax on the Deshaun Watson trade. Yes. And now, really, if you think about it, Deshaun Watson's costing them close to $64 million this year if they have to swallow all of that uh, dead money. Yeah, that is a that's a big issue for the Browns. And it could be a, a boon to a quarterback needy team if you can get Baker Mayfield in the you know, at that kind of discount. Especially because you get to pick the contract. Is that correct, Mike? Well, you know, that's that's negotiable. You know, yeah. and ironically, uh, Cleveland, to their credit, a number of years ago, Mike, they made a trade with Houston for Brock Eisweiler. Basically, when you sort through it, they got a second-round pick for eating, I believe it was like $8 million at the time. Yeah. So, to me, that would be something where you say to them, hey, we'll give you a fifth-round pick next year, and mm -hmm. we'll pay Baker, you know, I'm making this up, $6 million. So, right. all of a sudden, if you're Cleveland, you're cutting losses, you're – you know, you guys still eat 12, but you're not eating 18. And at some point, it may be after the draft candidly, but at some point that's the calculus because what would happen if they cut him, Baker will sign at the minimum, and then that $18 million would just be offset by the minimum of whatever team he goes to. Right, right. Hey, uh, Mike, is, is that a little bit complicated with Baker and kind of the personality discourse on him? Because I feel like you'd really need to have the right fit, right? It'd have to be a team – where you really the cupboard is bare um, because to have him compete with somebody that you're trying to develop seems like it would be dangerous. Do you agree with yeah. that? It's interesting. You ask that Matt, I actually have firsthand experience um, in 1998, we were at the jets and we signed Vinny Testaverde who up until that point had a somewhat disappointing career. Hmm. Number one overall pick we signed him and took us to the championship game that year. So, you know, Baker, it's interesting. He, I know isn't well regarded now and I've been disappointed in him, but, I went to Oklahoma the year he came out and people thought really highly of him. So something has gone wrong and you just hope that, you know, he's humble by what's, what's happened. Yeah. Maybe the injury too. The injury, who knows how much yeah. that affected. It's hard to know how much the injury to the non-throwing shoulder, because we all kind of tried to tell ourselves during the season, well, it's the non-throwing shoulder. It's not a big, a uh, big uh, deal, but clearly he was affected. Matt, is there a, quarterback on your uh, radar in this draft or you know what does the sports info solutions data hub tell us yeah the third the third ranked quarterback for us is going to be matt matt Cor uh coral 
a corral, however you say his name. Uh, he's a, you know, RPO guy, very hard to get a sense in that offense at Ole Miss of like what he's going to be. He's right. got some athleticism to him. Uh, I think he can sling it a little bit. I don't see high level ability to process. That's maybe a little bit because it's, it's uh, obscured by the film, but also um, there was enough on the film when we studied him where you saw the lapses that I, I wouldn't want to invest a, a first round pick in, in him, that sort of level. Right. So He's, you know, a little bit lower. Um, again, nobody really standing out in this class. Um, after him, we have Howell, we have uh, Strong, we have Ritter, kind of all in that range. I'd feel much more comfortable spending a day three pick on on kind of whoever's available um, rather than really investing any of these guys. Everybody had something, even Ritter, who I hear a lot of, of praise of, and I get it because when you see him um process it's it's a high level when you see him lead out on the field you could get a sense of it at the senior bowl uh i know i saw you down there um he really had a command that mm -hmm. that jumps out at you right. that said he doesn't have a command of the football when he throws it in my opinion i think that mm -hmm. it's an inconsistent release and i i'm concerned about both the velocity and the consistent accuracy which at the end of the day is the, is the number one thing that you need unless you're josh allen <laughs> <laughs> So you might be calling the Browns too, is what you're saying. I might, I might be on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move away from the quarterback class. The 2022 quarterback class on that note. And let's look at some other positions here on the football outsiders, 33rd team sports info solutions, draft or pass show. And Matt, this question is coming, come to you first. We're going to switch to wide receiver. Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Look like Debo Samuel on film, but his testing numbers don't necessarily add up. You are looking for a go-to number one wide receiver in the first round of this class. Traylon Burks is on the board. Draft or pass, Matt Manicharian. Draft, emphatically. Uh, Tr Traylon Burks, so when we're talking about this player, uh, you mentioned Debo Samuel, and I love that comparison because you actually see him used in similar ways where he'll be in the backfield, he'll be lined up tight, slot wide, used all over the place. We don't see that there's a blue chip receiver in this class, a true, you know, steps on the field, Jamar Chase pro bowler, but he's a true number one based on our grading scale. And I think in terms of the way you can use him, it's exactly that sort of outlook. He's a great hands guy, a great run after the catch guy. He is not a separation and route runner. So you see the slow combine testing times, stuff like that. Um, it's really in one year and out the other for me because this isn't a player that you saw on film and you thought he's going to be 4-3. So it's not like you go to the combine and then and you're shocked by it. Um, this is a big physical dude who's difficult to bring down in the open field. His best trait is his contested catchability. When he's covered, he's uncovered. Um, this is a guy who produced in Arkansas in their offense, which is impressive for any receiver to say. Um, the, the jet sweeps and the end around usage, you see it on film. I think that projects to be used on the NFL level right away. Um, and then I think some of it is going to have to be patient in terms of asking him to do everything isn't going to be the idea. He's on the lower end of the stats in terms of deep percentage. What percentage of the routes that he ran were seven, eight or nine routes or percentage of his routes there and also lower in unique routes, which I think is a reflection of the, the RPO Arkansas offense and some of the kind of boring stuff that they do there. So you might need a little bit more uh, development there, but number two in yak per reception, number one in total points rating tied with the, the 99 sort of Madden rating based on our stats on his production. Mm. So I love this player. There are eight receivers that I think are starting level receivers, ones or twos in this draft, but he's at the top of our board. Hmm. He's at the top of playmaker score also, I'll point out. I mean, he was the number one playmaker score in part because, like you said, in that Arkansas offense, for an, a wide receiver to have 1,100 receiving yards is a big deal because they only passed the ball 294 times. And the fact is guys who get used as jet sweep guys and have a lot of rushing yards in college usually turn out pretty well in the NFL because that shows their abilities. They're just being used differently in college because – there are plays that are there in college that aren't necessarily there in the NFL. That being said, I understand that he's definitely not one of those root stretcher outside number ones. If right. you had the first pick for a wide receiver and you want a root stretcher outside number one, I would go with Wilson or Olave over this. But, I mean, he's going to be a useful, valuable player in the NFL. Yeah, I think I see this one a little bit different, guys. I do see him a little bit more of that Drake London 
Mike Evans mold. I don't think those are the players now. And despite Mike Evans having the success he's had, I just think the way our game is being played, you need a premium on speed. And there's a lot to like about Burks. Ironically, the Samuel comparison, that's where Debo went in the second round. Um, I, I just put these Garrett Wilson, certainly a healthy Jamison Williams, Lave, Jahan Dotson, that group of guys ahead of Burks. And again, taking nothing away from his physicality and what he can do. Um, I appreciate what you guys said. I just, I've worked with too many defensive coaches in my career to hear them just constantly talk about speed is what keeps them up at night. Speed is what they worry about. Right. And while the Debo Samuels are obviously great players and can help you win multiple games, I would prioritize speed and playmaking ability over a bigger guy like Burks or London. And I think teams generally do agree with you, Mike Tannenbaum. Is that correct? Usually it's the guys with the outstanding speed numbers that go in the first round. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think, look, we would all want Mike Evans on our team and Tom right. Brady's sure happy that he's on his team. So I don't mean to minimize that, but what I do say, like if you're trying to build, you know, I've heard other people you know, refer to building a basketball team, right? Like these are the power forwards. I think it's easier to get a power forward later. And I also think it's easier to develop a power forward than it is to get those. You watch Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson play. Like every time they touch the ball, they take your breath away. Like they're, you know, Jamison Williams. I was at the SEC championship game thinking I'm going to watch. Can't wait to watch this great Georgia defense. And I left the stadium thinking like, I think I just saw the next Tyreek Hill in Jameis. Williams. So that's, that, that's, that's my point. We will get to Jamison Williams in just a moment. Um, Let's move on to our next question, though. And uh, we're going to keep things simple with the next question on the Football Outsiders 33rd Team Sports Info Solution Draft or Pass Show. We're going to start right at the top of the draft board. And, Mike Tannenbaum, we're going to throw to you first. You're running the Jacksonville Jaguars. Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, the edge rusher. Odds on favorite to be the first overall pick. He is there. You can pick any player on the board. Aiden Hutchinson, draft or pass? Uh, I'm going to draft him. Um, I don't think he's this transformational talent. I don't think he's Miles Garrett or even either of the Bosses. I think you're getting a, a really good player who's going to impact culture. Um, and if you look at what they've done from a team-building standpoint, they they re-tagged Cam Robinson, something I wouldn't have done, but they did. They signed Brandon Scherf. They're getting back Travis Etienne, another first-round pick from a year ago, obviously Trevor Lawrence. This is a guy that you'd be really happy he's on your team. I don't think he's going to be dynamic, but I think he'll be a really solid player that's going to impact others. So I don't think we're going to look back and say he was the best player in this year's draft, but I think he'll be a guy that they're happy he's on the team. So is it a little bit of a safety maneuver for you or a, or a safety and culture? I, th I think I think that's right, Mike. I think it's a high floor, lower ceiling guy. Mm -hmm. You know, Thibodeau is an interesting guy from Oregon, but if I was running Jacksonville, I, I would feel good with Aiden Hutchinson on, on our team. Aaron. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just no clear number one pick this year. And the Jacksonville's just stuck in a year where there's no guy who we were like, in any other year, this would be a number one pick. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys who in any other year would be like the fourth overall pick. And so I feel a little bit the idea of going with Evan Neal because I've heard you know, read things about the idea that Doug Peterson might want to do more building of offense. And yeah, Cam Robinson got franchised, but you know, you can play one of them at right tackle for a year and then let Cam Robinson go. But overall, I mean, I know in our projections, the top three edge rushers come out virtually tied. So between Walker, Hutchinson, and Thibodeau, if my scouts said Hutchinson's the guy out of these three, I would be fine going, all right, Hutchinson's the guy out of these three, let's take him. And you just have to accept that there is there is no number one pick this year. There just is no player who normally would be worth the number one pick. Matt, draft or pass? Yeah, I draft Hutchinson number one. He's our top-rated player. Um, the, the scale is not built to say you're graded as a number one pick, you're graded as a third-round pick. It's built to say you're going to be a starting-level player, you're going to be a strong starter, you're going to be a three-down player. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is uh, he comes in as one of three players that we have graded at that blue chip level. They're just barely there. Uh, I heard the Bosa comparison before. I think that's a that's a, a solid kind of um, very likely, but very much the upside. When you talk about Aiden Hutchinson, I think he's likely to hit his upside. He's already put on his performance. When you look at the advanced stats, he's been a great performer over his career at Michigan. 
uh, especially if you don't count weird 2020, uh, 2019 and 2021, he was excellent. So um, this is somebody who I think has the floor. He's going to come in and be a, a potential to be a double digit stack guy. Um, but nobody is that is that high end. Um, the other blue chippers for what it's worth, Evan yeah. Neal, who Aaron mentioned, and Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. Rare in terms of positional value that you'd be talking about a safety that high. But in terms of what he brings on the football field, I'm really excited about him too. And so those are your three. It was Evan Neal, Kyle Hamilton, and Aiden Hutchinson. And Aiden Hutchinson. And Aaron, when we talked about the sacks here and you talked about the big three all being lined up, that is Thibodeau. Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker, who is a guy who's been getting a lot of buzz. And he actually- yeah, and the shock is that Trayvon Walker actually came out number one because projection wise, based on history, those kind of combine performers actually tend to do really well in the NFL. Like we remember the ones who didn't mm-hmm. do well in the NFL, like Golston. But for the most part, those combine performer guys actually do end up doing really well in the NFL, like Ezekiel Ansah was brought up as an example. Right. Um, but when I say Walker came out as the top guy, he came out of the top guy by a third of a sack. So <laughs> it's really three guys tied. And if my scouts say Hutchinson's the guy and three guys are basically tied, I'm going with the scouts. You know, my, my concern about Walker guys is the production. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's just he, – he's somebody that if you're taking that high – Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that he has the production. And if we were doing this draft the day after the season, he's probably somewhere in the second round. And I think he has a chance to be a good player. I just don't know if I would take him that high. And the other thing you talk about in draft rooms, guys, is Kirby Smart's a really good defensive coach mm-hmm. who knows how to, for the most part, put his players in great positions. So if he's not getting out of Walker – I'm just telling you, I'd be scared to death to turn that card in the top 10 with Trayvon Walker. So, Mike, what do you think is going on there? I don't, I've, I've been in the room, and I still don't really understand. Usually, the only thing that I understand is when something like this happens, usually there's something that we don't know about that is, that's what's going on, that's what's explaining it. I, I, you know, you see people rise and fall on draft boards, and it's usually a lot of noise and stuff like that. Do you get any sense of if there's any signal going on to why he would be – mid-first round, I love him. But at number one seems seems a little bit rich. I think he's impeccable if you take the production out, which is obviously a, you know a very <laughs> significant part. But measurables, the workout, the character, the intelligence. Yeah. Um, so I know when coaches met with him, talked to some defense coaches, they love him, and they Don't just feel it. like we'll take that intelligence and move him around and his versatility. So, um, and like you guys had mentioned earlier too, Matt, you know when you juxtapose that against the lack of alternatives, you know, now all of a sudden he becomes even more intriguing. Right. There's just, there's not a lack of alternatives at that particular position in this draft. Cause you have Hutchinson, you have Thibodeau. There's actually a second well, tier of guys. When I, I said things we don't know, maybe if you get a, a bad medical on Hutchinson and Thibodeau, for example, which is, I'm not saying is a thing that's, a, right. that's, a, that's out there at all, but like there are things that we don't know if somebody fails for a character reason, all of a sudden, from me and your perspective, there are options out there. From their perspective, there aren't options. If the owner says we're not drafting that guy, then that guy's not an option. We may simply be looking at, and coming from the media standpoint, a prohibitive favorite at number one in Hutchinson and a need to generate talk about somebody else. And Trayvon Walker, again, as somebody who would have been a sleeper in the middle of the first round or something like that, fits because of all these traits. It's just a very unusual choice at the top of the draft board. Um, and, and Mike Tannenbaum spoke of the production. You drop on Football Outsiders right now. I went and uh, listed the pressure rates from Matt Manicharian Sports Info Solutions of all of the top edge rushers. Trayvon Walker's pressure rate is way at the bottom, well below all the other draftable guys, and is actually seventh on Georgia's defensive front in pressure rate. So he has lower pressure statistics than Devontae Wyatt, uh, and, and Jordan Davis and some of those phenomenal underclassmen they have there, which, again, makes him a somewhat odd choice for somebody that we're still talking about with a plus 200 chance of going number one overall. And, and I think the smart response to that would be, wait, but he lined up inside. He wasn't given a lot of edge snaps, not the opportunities. Yeah. We have a stack called Pressures Above Expectation, which you can find on NFLDraft.SportsInfoSolutions.com. Yes. And it'll tell you there, he's 30th in the class in Pressures Above Expectation. This isn't somebody that didn't perform because it, it was it was totally opportunity related. It was him. It was an opportunity thing, but it was also on the field. Bottom line, first overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson, edge, Michigan. 
turn in the car, Jacksonville Jaguars. You'll you'll be happy you did, or you won't be disappointed if you didn't. All right, time to shift gears. Our next question on the Football Outsiders, 33rd Team Sports Info Solutions Draft or Pass Super Show. We were uh, talking about Jamison Williams a little bit earlier. Direct question we're going to throw to Mike Tannenbaum. Jamison Williams may need a redshirt year because of his ACL tear. You, But you're running a team that needs wide receiver help now. Let's say it's the middle of the first round. Jamison Williams, draft or pass? I'm drafting. I may even be trading up for him. I love him. I just think when you see players outrun leverage, which I've seen him do, that just is a rare trait to have. So you think about explosive game-changing speed. I'll wait on the ACL, um, and I'll be super happy when he gets back on the field. And by the way, under the rules with PUP, I could take that into most of the season, and I'm in no rush. Hmm. But I think he's could be one of the top three football players in this year in this draft when it's all said and done. Awesome. Matt Manicharian. Yep. I, I, I would I would feel the exact same way. Love him. He's our second ranked receiver in the draft, right there with the same grade as as Traylon Burks that we talked about before. Obviously, a really different player. He's dynamic, he's explosive. Sometimes he would even frustrate me when I was watching the film on him because I almost wanted him to do more because when he would when when it when it pops with him, it pops in a really special way. Mm-hmm. The injury concern is legitimate. John Veros and James Rodriguez are injury experts. They have him at a medium long-term injury risk potential, which you kind of be, you know, low, medium, high, simple scale there. There is some long-term injury risk there. Uh, but this guy, 99 total points rating, um, absolutely explosive, dynamic, can change your offense. Uh, I'm, I'm taking him and uh, I'm, I'm patient with the doctors. I think it depends on, you know, where your team is in the success, you know, scale. I think if you're Green Bay and you're trying to win it all this year with an older quarterback and you need a receiver, you can't take a guy who's going to have a redshirt year. Right. But if you're a, a, either a rebuilding team like a Jets, Giants, Bears, or you're a team that's a Super Bowl contender but you're a multi-year Super Bowl contender without a lot of intri- uh, injury. Uh, sorry, without a lot of holes, like the Buffalo Bills, for example. Right. You take right. And what about a team like the Saints or Eagles? That's going to be the range at the lowest. I think that he's going to fall. And they're in the middle there. They're in the wild card world. So I think I think you take him. I think rather than, I mean, you you know, yeah. If you're the Eagles or even the Saints, you can imagine yourself building it up and making it to the end this year. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be pretty hard. Better that you build for the future with a really, really talented player. And if you need help wide receiver this year, there's still guys out there on the market. There's guys in the third round who can help you this year. Right. So I really think it's only if you're a serious, like top of the line Super Bowl contender, but your whole is receiver. Right. And I, there's two teams that stand out to me is Kansas City and Green Bay. Yeah. I don't think you let him do the redshirt year. Most other teams, he's really talented. And he's not going to last until the Chiefs or Bengals are, are picking at the end of the first round. Yeah, or the Packers. Yep. Right. That's, that's why I meant to say the Packers. Um, we have a question here from Sifter132, and I'm going to pass it off to Mike Tannenbaum, who's actually had to make some of these decisions in his life rather than just talking about them like the rest of us. The question is, how much does salary cap ever play into draft decisions? For example, the Giants have no space right now. That mean they might trade down, trade up, pay for an extra large one extra large rookie contract rather than two extra large uh, contracts. Mike, how does that impact the decision making? Yeah, Mike, it's a great question. I think you know we always talk about the offseason is sort of like a continuum of team building, and you look at resource allocation. And a great example of that is two really good franchises, Green Bay and Kansas City, and they made the salary cap decision that hey, we're not going to keep you know Adams and Hill. And while I think they will be adding receivers in this year's draft, they may not necessarily do it in round one because there may be a better resource allocation. So it's a great question by Sifter132 because all the decisions have cap permutations. And candidly, even when we look at those other guys of DK Metcalf, Terry McClellan, uh, Debo Samuel, and A.J. Brown, a lot of those teams may say, you know what, like they may be – you know, if we talk about Burks and Samuel, yeah, we all probably rather have Debo Samuel over Burks because it's known versus unknown. But is he $30 million for Samuel versus a rookie contract for Burks? And those are the discussions you're having in the draft room. 
And in a perfect world, the opportunities you have the draft, you know, so, like fit with what you need from a, you know, standpoint, which it doesn't always. So um, those are considerations you're always looking at. And DJ RM3 says, speaking of red shirt draft picks, who do you, who do you like better as a red shirt center for the Jets, Cam Jurgens or Donovan West? It might be a little more specific than what we're looking for. Does anybody have any thoughts on this? Um, I actually, I, I like Jurgens a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't know if there's a big difference between him and Linderbaum. I think Linderbaum's a great college player, but guys, like, he's not very big. I think he can get bounced around a little bit. Right. I'm, I'm on the other way. end of that one. I, I, I don't like Jurgens or West as much. I like Winter, Linderbaum a lot. Love love the guy that can be plug and play. I think he could call things from his first snap of, of training camp up front. Um, and I think uh, he's got enough. He, not an ideal matchup against the bigger nose tackles, but but I think he's got enough there. So yeah, I'm a uh, Linderbaum. I'm a Linderbaum fan myself. I also like Zion Johnson out of Boston College, with the caveat being he might not be plug and play at center because he was a guard and he's still learning the position there. And I'm not sure any of them with the Jets picking twice in the uh, top ten or top eleven. I don't have it in front of me right now. I'm not. I'm, I'm guessing that center is going to be a day two, day three. No, that's a second or third round. Yes. Um, but since it, we were. Yes, good. I was just going to say, going back to the salary cap stuff, the 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 draft players in the salary cap that would be more an impact on uh, your long term planning for the salary cap. If if it really came down to it, and you're in a pinch right now, you'd be more likely to convert salary into a bonus, something like that. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Yeah, and again, just so uh, people have an understanding of what you're saying, like from a player standpoint, it's cash neutral, so it's just. They're going to get the same amount of money. It's just the characterization of when you convert base, which is counts 100% in the year that it's earned compared to something that's a bonus where it's prorated over the life of the contract. So you could obviously recharacterize money to create cap space in the short term. One of the things with the Giants is they're, they're in such a straight right now where they can't even do that with a lot of their salaries, which I think is why what Sifter was bringing up. And it actually turns us to our next question here on the Football Outsiders 33rd Team Sports Info Solutions Draft or pass super show. So you are running the Jets or the Giants, who each have two top 10 picks this year. And the Saints come a call in about the second of the two picks. You can get two more first round picks this year as a rebuilding New York team. Trade or pass, instead of throwing it to somebody who's run one of those New York teams, which is Mike Tannenbaum, we're going to throw it initially to Aaron Schatz. You're running the Jets or Giants. You can get two first round picks for two more first round picks. Trade or pass. Well, my answer originally was going to be you absolutely trade because, listen, I mean, the fact is we have all tried in analytics to figure out translations for college players to the pros, and it's very difficult. But one thing that analytics has absolutely positively shown is that you want as many bites at the apple as you can get. You want these are lottery tickets. You want to get the most number of lottery tickets the teams overrate the top few picks compared to the bottom of the first round and the second round. And I would absolutely love to have three first round picks, even if two of them aren't top 10 rather than two top 10 picks. But <laughs> the discussion that we just had about the giants makes me wonder if I do that, if I'm the giants, because can you fit three first round salaries Right. Given the way the Giants' salary cap is right now, if I'm the, if I'm the Jets, I definitely do it. If I'm the Giants, I have to figure out if I can make the money work. Well, one thing I would add to that is, if I was the Giants, I try to flip out to the extent I could for a pick next year. Because yes. if we were the Giants guys, mm -hmm. we we would know a lot more about Daniel Jones a year from now, and you have a new head coach, new GM. And to me, knowing that, and look, we're a million miles away, but the quarterback situation next year looks much better than it does this year. So if I'm them, and that's kind of why I like what Philly made on the back half of that same trade is they now have two ones next year. So if things don't work out with Hurts, that they they're in a much better position for next year. You know, what's interesting guys is five teams next year already have two first round picks. So right. it's already like some teams are able like playing chess, getting ready for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sprinting to the, to the front of the room. I, I want to trade down. Yep. <laughs> give me that trade down all day, every day. This draft, I think not a lot of high end talent, but a lot of what we would normally consider first round talent. Uh, we got 40 players that I think have strong starting grades. So I'm happy to take those players. I'm happy to, to take a profit and I'd be happy to trade into the future too. Uh, the hard part when trading up or when trading future assets is sometimes even when you're right, you're wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. When I was in new Orleans, 
We drafted Cam Jordan, had a great process, made that pick, and then we turned around and traded our second-round pick and a future one to get back into the first round to get Mark Ingram. So even though Mark Ingram was a good player, fit the system well, was, was a nice player for us for years, even though we were right, we were wrong because we ended up not having a first-round pick the following year, and we lost our second-round pick that year. And, and yeah. no matter what, how good he was, he wasn't going to be worth that. Let's move on to our next question. On the Football Outsiders 33rd Team Sports Info Solutions Drafter Pass Super Show, and Matt Manacharian just brought up drafting a running back in New Orleans with Mark Ingram, and we're going to talk about drafting a running back right now. And we're going to throw to you first, Matt. So you're running a team with few needs, and you're drafting late in the first round, like the Buffalo Bills. Yes, we're just trolling Buffalo Bills fans right now. Top running backs, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, are still on the board not asking you which one you're going to take, but you can tell me. But I'm asking you, a first-round running back, draft or pass? No. Uh, you know, in general, my answer is going to be no. It's going to take somebody really, really special for, mm -hmm. for me to be saying that that it's going to be that type of a player. I'm not so opposed to it as some of the analytics community uh, would be, but there's no player that would compel me to, to, to draft them that high. I do like Brees Hall. I think he's explosive. I think he's he'd be an interesting day-two pick. Um, Kenneth Walker can be somebody definitely we saw him carry the load for Michigan State so uh, you, you like kind of the the floor there but um, no these guys you'd have to be a three down impact the passing game you can pass protect start day one that's what we'd have to be talking about and I don't see that in this draft uh, I also I, I'm not in favor of drafting a running back in the first round in general, and just specifically with Buffalo, I feel like everybody keeps trying to mock them running backs every year. Devin Singletary is kind of underrated. He did a good job taking over that running game in the second half of the year. I don't feel like they need to reach for a running back to replace Devin Singletary. Just talking about the Bills specifically. I feel in like the they playoffs, can... they're going to let Josh Allen carry the ball anyway. Yeah. So what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's um, the analytics consensus. Mike Tannenbaum from a, from the GM standpoint. Uh, completely aligned with the discussion and really more from a functional of, not only do I agree with what was said, but like from a supply and demand standpoint, Mike, like you can find good running backs. There's a countless examples of that. So, yeah. and we just, by the way, saw a really good one change. I think Ronald Jones to me has always been somewhat of an underrated player. Like when he's healthy, I think he could really impact that chief offense. He's right. been really productive out of the backfield. By the way, I was on Buffalo Radio yesterday with Nate Geary, and he started it by saying, we're not discussing Brees Hall. We're going to pull I'm going to pull my hair out. So that's where they're at in Buffalo, where they're just talking running back, running back, running back. But the consensus here is we are not picking a running back in the first round for the Bills or anyone else. And we have a question from I Hate the NFL, who keeps hearing so many Chiefs rumors about taking both first-round picks and moving up, and they're wondering for who, though. So I'll throw it out if – if you've heard any rumors or if you're the chiefs and you're packaging who or what type of player are you packaging up to get? I, I'm not, this is a team that has a lot of holes, corner pass yeah. rusher, obviously receiver. So I hope they don't do that. They have a really good team. I hope they stay disciplined and, and use both of those ones. Okay. What if, what if they were to trade up and take uh, the Alabama receiver? Would you feel differently about it then? Yeah, maybe, Matt. That's a fair <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah. no, I agree, I, I, though. Edge, I, I, edge and, and corner, I think, are the, are the places where you'd be looking. Those are the, the, the highest suspect areas for them. I'm with Mike. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade up. The Chiefs have a lot of hold. I wouldn't trade up for the one guy. You just can't have confidence in yourself that that one guy is going to be so good. There's just too much randomness in what we know and our ability to pick players. But – if the Chiefs did, I think it clearly would be for a wide receiver to replace Tyreek Hill. I would think it would be cornerback. The problem is I can't see them trading up into Stingley and Sauce territory because that's just too high potentially. Right. No one else is. Right. So there aren't a lot of like going number 14 cornerbacks in this draft. There's like the top two and then there's like a gap. Yeah. Kind of depends on the Stingley medical. That that with him, I think talent-wise, he's top five for me. But the medical, it's um, you never know how that'll play out. And I'm going to hold off on Todd Singer's question and skip a question for a moment, since we're talking about cornerbacks and we're talking about Stingley, and we're going to throw this question to Mike Tannenbaum. Your team is in a position to draft the best available athlete, so you don't have a ton of holes that you have to worry about. 
following players on the board, and we've talked about them all a little bit. Georgia defensive lineman Traven Walker, LSU cornerback Derek Stingley Jr., Oregon edge Kayvon Thibodeau, and Iowa center Tyler Lindenbaum. They are all on the board sitting for you. Mike Tannenbaum, who are you going to draft? I'm trading back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Baker Mayfield trade, you're going to like throw that into this too as well. Probably, probably uh, Linderbaum, uh, Walker we talked about, Stingley. Hasn't played well since 19. I'm going to let somebody else take that risk. Mm-hmm. I like Thibodeau. Um, I didn't like the fact that he told teams he was going to work out at the Combine and then didn't. Right. Um, but he has he has incredible ability. But Linderbaum, even though he's undersized, I think he's a good pass protector and a good athlete. So I'll go with Linderbaum. That, by the way, one of my theories about Stingley is that every team wants some other team to take that risk. That's a lot of GMs might be thinking something along those lines, right? Like I hope someone else takes them and someone safer falls to you perhaps. Yeah. And I think it's all context too. If we're talking about the bomb in the first round versus top 10, you know, like that's, what's really hard about what we're talking about here guys, because you know, Walker, I think is going to be a really solid player. I just don't think we're going to be seeing a twitchy edge pass rusher. That's getting 14, 15 sacks a year. And the way it works, you know, whether it's fair or unfair, if he slides inside as an interior defensive lineman and pass rush, he's not going to have great stats and still may be a good player. Uh, to me, that's actually the IP, the appeal with him is first and second down, play him on the edge. You can get some natural pass rush there, and then you can bump him inside to a three technique on third down, getting some of your NASCAR package. To me, I like that from a team building uh, scenario. Um but yeah, I, in general, I I agree with your point. So, what's who's your draft or pass, Matt Manicharian? Um, I'm I'm going to take Stingley or Thibodeau. Um, it's going to be tough for me. I'm probably going to actually end up. Uh, ooh, I, I, I definitely would try to trade down if I could just move down that one spot. <laughs> but um, you know, I'll, I'll stay true to our board. We have Stingley there. So, assuming the medicals not a uh, not a, not going to disqualify him based on the doctor's opinion. He's going to be my choice there. I think he's got incredible upside to be a, a top top level corner in the league. We're going to jump ahead here because Mike Tannenbaum, I think you have to leave us soon. And we're going to hop on and do what, Do you have time for one more quick question? Uh, absolutely. Excellent. So you've spotted a player that you think is going to slip to day three of the draft. And you like him so much that you're willing to trade up to the top of the fourth round that Saturday morning and get him in if he is there. Mike Tannenbaum, is there that kind of sleeper on this draft board for you? Oh, boy. You know, I'll tell you what. If we could go maybe a little bit higher. Like, okay. one thing we haven't really talked about that I think is really worth an interesting discussion, guys, and I'd be curious to get your view from an analytics standpoint, but David Ajabo, because he has really long length and really good get-off, and unfortunately he tore his Achilles, Mike, um, at his pro day. He'd be a guy that if we're sitting there in the middle of the second round, mm-hmm. you got to think about doing it because if he's healthy, he like if you didn't know anything and just watched o- Ojabo and Hutchinson back to back, Ojabo is a really intriguing prospect. I'm curious how you guys saw him from a a number standpoint. Uh, yeah, I, rates were good, Matt. What do you have? Yep, he's uh he was really good. A total points rating was up at 97, so that's kind of on the Madden rating scale. So very good overall. Um, really good as a pass rusher. Not as good in the run game. He was a a, a little bit lagged behind there in terms of some things. Um, but you it, you saw the the athleticism, the flexibility, all that kind of stuff, and it really showed through on his pressure numbers uh, when he was in there. Sacks here likes Ojabo too. It likes a lot of guys. You know, a, a lot of guys come out pretty similar as pretty good, and Ojabo's one of them. So, I mean, I agree. There's a lot of talent there. It, you just have to take the redshirt year. I was grading him in the first round. I know some people who are grading him ahead of Hutchinson in terms of the pure traits, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's currently plus 200 if you're a, a, a wagering type to go in the first round. And he seems like the kind of guy that one of those teams at the end, the Buccaneers, uh, the Bills can say, well, the Bills have so many edge rushers, but one of those teams can say, ah, we, we can just take him and wait for him to get healthy. That's a possibility for him. You know, Mike, just one uh, to put a ribbon on that discussion. Yeah. If, you know, there's a big difference if you're a team taking him at 29 versus 34, 35, because you get that extra year, especially right. with the injury. Um, that's going to be a really interesting sort of like discussion. And again, it just bears repeating, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, LeVar Jackson, 
they were both the 32nd pick in the fifth year. And that's why I think, I don't think Detroit takes a quarterback at two, but I do think if they're on the clock, they do take one at 32 for that same reason. Makes sense. That makes sense. You have to leave us, Mike. Unfortunately, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you guys having me. I do have to jump to an ESPN show here at two, but I'd, uh, if it works for you guys, schedule wise, I, I'd be happy to do this again before the draft. This was uh, a lot of fun, and I'm a big fan of uh, you know everyone here, Football Outsiders, SIS, and really appreciate it, guys. It was good thank to be you. on with you, man. Yeah, thank you for joining Thanks, us, and man. we will see you soon. All right, thank you. So we're still on the sleeper question. We have that sleeper. Matt, have you uh, have you picked somebody out for us? No, I don't. I, I gotta. I gotta think about this a little bit more. Um, <laughs> rare, rare for me to be interested in a trade up. Um, I was yes. going to say on the Ojabo front. Yeah. Um, just the the one more thing to point out about him. I might hesitate from the first round pick just because he was a one year production guy. Really. Yes. Um, we really don't have more. Um, on film there more sample size of, of what to what to believe there so i'd probably be a little bit hesitant to go that high with him but i do agree the upside is there he, he was somebody who came to america i believe via scotland via yeah, so. there's a long story yeah <laughs> africa to scotland to, africa uh, to scotland to the Michigan. u.s and very excellent interview when he was at the combine like a guy who, who screams high character everything looks good about a job except you're right the production was limited and he has an Achilles tendon that he injured in March. So it's not even something that happened in, in December or January. Um, my guy of my favorite sleeper among the uh, football outsiders projection systems is Sam Williams, okay. the edge rusher from Ole Miss. Yes. Awesome. Whose numbers look a lot like a high pick. He had 12 and a half sacks at an SEC school and a strong combine performance. And yet he's being talked about as like a fifth or sixth rounder. Right. So again, I'm like with Matt, no, don't like to trade up in general, except for quarterbacks. Right. But if there was a guy that I would trade up for in the fourth or fifth rounds to try to make sure to get, that's the guy that stands out to me. Yeah. His numbers are, are, and his tape looks good. It's just, there's like 50 edge rushers. I think he's lost in the shuffle a bit. All the more reason to take him. Um, so it, does Isaiah likely qualify? I don't know where he's where he's getting mocked at these days. Is he is he he's getting uh, mocked in like the third or fourth? I think. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say I would be I would be excited about him if you know we're going to sleep on Friday and we're talking about somebody who's going to be one of the first players off the board on Saturday. If he's around there, you're talking about an H tight end, so a guy who's really going to be your move guy. He's got upside as a receiver for days. He's got all kinds of production in what he did at Coastal Carolina. Um, I think you can expect a bit of a ramp up. I think that the mental side of playing tight end on the NFL will be a little bit different um, than what he's accustomed to. And I don't think you should expect a ton as a blocker right away, but I think he does have the frame where that could come around as he develops into his career. So in the beginning, you have kind of an explosive playmaker, but then I think you'll have somebody that could actually uh, mold into a well-rounded tight end uh, down the road. So he's one guy I'll throw out that at, at the a money position, um, a guy off the radar Damone Clark, linebacker out of LSU, he, okay. they found an injury at the combine with him. So he's somebody who's not going to play this year and uh, had to have surgery and, and deal with all that kind of stuff. But he could be a guy that gets stashed away for a year. Um, before this even happened, uh, he reminded me of a, a Jalen Smith type already. Um, just just looking on the film, not that sort of a high, high end, but somebody who, when you look across the board at his numbers, really stood out. A lot of play speed as an inside linebacker, good length to him also. So um, he's somebody that um, now you're talking about uh, probably even later than the fourth round, an investment in this sort of player because you know it's going to be a red shirt. But he's somebody that I think could come around and be and be a high-level starter um, if, if uh, he can get healthy. Let's throw one guy out there that I like a lot, Tariq Woolen, cornerback, Texas San Antonio. Not exactly off the radar after the combine. Comes in at six foot four, runs a four point two six forty. And you go back and you check the, the the film on this guy, and he's a converted wide receiver. He spent his first couple of years at Texas San Antonio at wide receiver. Moves over to cornerback. You're watching him in press man coverage, and he can run with anybody. He's got the size to run with anybody, match up with anybody. Now, why isn't he first, second, third round? First of all, you might imagine he's a work in progress. Secondly, the first time he turns his head around when the ball's in the air, the next time he does it will be the first time he does it. He's not figured out the final points of the position. He's going downfield, <laughs> running with the guy, waiting to see the hands come up and turning around to make a play. Very correctable situation. That's one of those little things that you get – 
taken out of you during mini camp and training camp. He probably isn't going to be there at the top of the fourth round, frankly. But if he's there at the top of the fourth round, that's a guy that I'd say, I'm going to trade up. I want 4.26 feet at six foot four. I want a guy who's going to match up ideally with the top receivers in the NFL. And this is a guy with the potential to do that. Let's take a question. Yeah, go ahead. Is those are absurd measurables. That's ridiculous. Right, right. So those are the measurables where it's like the second round and uh, Belichick takes them. Yeah. Right. A uh, question or two before we wrap up. Patrick Seely says, uh, asks, how do you judge the value of a player who needs a year to heal? Should that drop him one round or two? And does it depend on the injury? I would start by saying it depends on the injury and my worry about how chronic it might be. Yep. That's the big one, the way I think of it. So uh, the two the two parts of it are, are they injured right now? Are they going to miss time? And the way the NFL seems to value having a player this year versus next year seems to be about a round. So mm-hmm. I think that's accurate. Um, but the bigger part of it is, is this a long-term injury risk? And right. if something's going to be degenerative and it's not going to be somebody you're going to want to give a second contract to, a lot of times that'll, that, that can be something that you just end up not taking the player. You end up not wanting to invest in them uh, at all for that reason. Um, so, um, it's a very difficult thing to quantify. Um, but I know different NFL teams are doing a lot of work on, on trying to do just that because the more accurate we can get about the likelihood of returning from injury, the likelihood of re-injury, uh, the better the decisions we can make, um, without that, you're kind of shooting in the dark. Yeah. And I, I worry about things like the 325 pound lineman with the foot injury. Cause that's oh, yeah. sounds- no, stay away from back injuries. Yes. Please. Yeah. Yeah. I think an ACL comes down to unless you see something that suggests that it's going to keep happening, it's like, well, do we have an immediate need or can we wait for this guy until you know until December or just uh, you know have him as our fifth receiver for the for his uh, rookie year? Um, and here, Todd Singer asked a question. I don't know. I, I'm guessing even Mike Tannenbaum doesn't have an answer for this. It's just thoughts. Has there been any market research done on what season tickets uh, uh, holders prefer? Is it easier to sell a top 10 pick or two picks in the top 20? None of us have done any market research in our analytics, have we? I'll bet you that it depends on what positions they play. Right. Certain positions are sort or of, not. <laughs> well, certain positions are sexier than other positions. And if you're putting the big pictures around your stadium, you know, the big photos on the outside of the stadium, your yes. top four or five stars, right. you're normally not putting your offensive linemen. <laughs> right. Right. Even if you draft Evan Neal in the top five, you're normally those guys are going to be your playmaking linebackers, your edge rushers, your wide receivers, your running back, your quarterback. Right. So, I mean, I think as far as what season ticket holders prefer, I bet it has more to do with what positions you can sell. Them. Right. Yeah. This isn't fan controlled football. That's not how we think about things around here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously season ticket holders mostly prefer winning, but we're talking right. about selling guys before you know yet whether they help you win or not because they haven't played yet. In our profession, we prefer two first round picks to one first round pick because Eagles media can fill up constantly talking about two first round picks and mock drafting over and over again. Rams media. Well, they have a championship. That's a bad example. Colts media, somebody like that, that they can't do that. So we love it, and we love when teams are in position to get a quarterback or a skill position guy because we get clicks and engagement. I don't think the season ticket holders are worried about that. Patrick Seeley says that the O-line can be cool. It can, but I don't remember a picture of Quentin Nelson on the outside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah, I don't remember if he was there when we were house there. He's the best player. He's, out, he's <laughs> on the stadium. Is he? Yeah, well, they have to put somebody up there. It ain't the quarterback. Darius Leonard, you know. Yeah. And Matt Ryan is probably up there now, but I'm pretty sure Quentin Nelson was up there. Nope. Adam Vinatieri is, <laughs> is, is across all of Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, even now in, per- in perpetuity. This is as good a time as any to wrap up. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Thank Mike Tannenbaum for joining us. You can find Mike Tannenbaum at the 33rd team, and you can find him on Twitter at Real Tannenbaum. Matt Manicharian, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Matt Mano. You can find Sports Info Solutions at Sports Info underscore SIS. And check out the NFL Draft website. It's at nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com. That's where we got all the content, all the sort of numbers that I was quoting on the show. Yeah, you're going to definitely be hearing a lot from us from that website during our draft coverage on draft yes. night and stuff. I'll refer to it a lot. Like it's it's basically it's the web version of their old rookie handbook which I used to refer to a lot. There's tons of really good stuff on it. Awesome. And Aaron, where can we find you? 
Oh, at Football Outsiders, of course. F-O underscore A shots on Twitter. You guys know me. I'm around all the time. I'll even be here Thursday. We don't know what we're going to talk about yet, but we're going to do another show on Thursdays. We're going to talk trash on Matt Manicharian. Um, nice. And, and you'll see me on Thursday as well. And you're going to see me in Dark Class and then a guest next Tuesday here. Uh, and we'll be talking, as always, thanks to our friends at Football uh, – excuse me, not at Football Outsiders. We're Football Outsiders. But our draft coverage is presented by Underdog Fantasy. And, folks, you can use the promo code FO40, that's FO40, at Underdog to double your deposit up to $100. Links to Underdog Fantasy can be found in the description of this video below. And you can go and play with us on Underdog today, not just about NFL stuff, but baseball, NBA. There's all sorts of props and, and games and fantasy games you can play there at Underdog Fantasy. On behalf of Matt Manicharian, Aaron Schatz, and Mike Tannenbaum, thanks, everyone, for enjoying, I hope, the 33rd Team Sports Info Solution, Football Outsiders, Draft or Pass Show. Aaron, I'll see you Tuesday, and we'll see, see all of you on the internet next week or here. Take care, folks.